0: Let's pray and then we'll jump into this new series we're going to do for the next three weeks. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to be in this place to worship. Lord, it's been a, a summer of fun and for many and traveling and activity and swimming pools and sports season and all that goes with summer and picnics and just being out in the porch and fires and cookouts and And all that kind of stuff, Lord. And now we head back into school season. And Lord, it's a good time during the school season as we get back into routines to start thinking about this topic of are we growing? School season is a time of growth for the student, Lord. It's a time when they're studying and learning and growing. But Lord, it's also going to be a time of growth for us. Those who are maybe not in school, for those who are just on a journey of life, Lord, we pray that it would be a time of growing. And so, Lord, as we dive into this topic, are you growing? Lord, open our mind and our hearts to hear from you about specifically, are we growing in Christ? In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. I've had um, many conversations, probably seems like they've been elevating, escalating over the last six months. And the conversations are very similar in the fact that they kind of go along the lines of I've been stressed out, or I've been overwhelmed, or I'm not sure how to handle life, or marriage is difficult, and I've been having more and more conversations around a table, so to speak, it seems like, in our culture that's getting more and more crazy, and conversations that Take place sometimes they're over at Wendy's sitting over a cup of coffee. Sometimes it's at the coffee shop. Sometimes the conversations have been here in the office. Sometimes they've been at people's dining room table. But they've been conversations where we just kind of gather up around a table and pull out our Bibles and try to listen and try to hear and see what is God doing and what, what's the stress or the challenge the person's walking through. And, and I find a common denominator in all of those conversations. I find a common denominator that most of the time there's a struggle or a difficulty in someone's connection or growth with God. Their relationship with Jesus is maybe not where they think it should be or where they want it to be. And probably most of those conversations have been with people who say, I've confessed Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've received his great gifts that he has for me but I don't know how, what to do with that. I don't know how to let God work in my life. I want him to, but I don't know how to grow in that connection. I at I, I, one time made a decision. Maybe I was 10, maybe I was 15, maybe I was 25. I made a decision and said, Jesus, I believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, and I want to be saved. And then it's now what? And so we get on this grind of life, and we keep going and going and going, and it's stressful, and sometimes it's overwhelming. And so I just invite people when I start having those conversations, say, can we get together some, and can we sit down maybe over a cup of coffee, and can we gather around a table? And so for today and the next two Sundays, I want us to gather around the table, so to speak. There's different ways for you to learn and different ways for me to teach. One way is as a preacher is obviously to stand up here and preach and bring a message. If I had a dining room table big enough, we'd have it in the middle of this room and all of us would pull up a chair to the dining room table. And we would just sit down and we would just talk about life. And I would start sharing with you maybe some things I've learned and you guys would probably share some things with me that you've learned. It's still hard to do in this environment, but we're going to have to have a, a little bit of sharing in here today. And so I'm going to ask you to maybe talk a little bit with your neighbor, people sitting around you. I'm going to ask for a little bit of feedback and just to ask you to participate with me a little bit. Because life comes at us, and it has its challenges. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to gather around the table, bring your Bible. Maybe it's a good old paper Bible. Maybe it's on technology, whatever avenue you have. Bring your Bible. And let's just envision us sitting around a table together, having a cup of coffee and we're just kind of chatting. You get a chance to maybe sit one-on-one with your pastor and just talk. And we're going to talk about life. So to get us thinking, let me ask you, what is your goal or goals of life? When you think about goals for life, let's, let's ask for a little bit of feedback here. You can just kind of raise your hand or shout it out. You think about a goal you have in life or goals. What, what are some of your goals you have? This is, you've got to interact with me. We're just a little bit different for us. I understand that. What's a goal, Laura? Raise godly children. Raise godly children, okay? Good goal. Retirement. There you go. Is that Nick over there? Nick's like, it's, what, 18 months away, Nick, or something like that? He said, praise God, amen. (laughs) Preach on, preach on. Let's come. (laughs) See, we can have some fun with this, okay? What? Wake Wake up tomorrow morning. I pray tomorrow. I get out of bed, okay? What's another goal? What's a goal? success okay and of course that can be measured in many different ways right for some success is waking up tomorrow morning for some success is i want to climb the corporate ladder i'm at a certain management level i'd like to move up to another management level may i would like to grow to another management level for some success is i want to make a lot of money for some success would be like going to the olympics how many of y'all are watching the olympics how I mean, you are staying up too late watching the Olympics? Yeah, you're like, oh, I'm tired, you know. But, yeah, uh, success in whatever area of field or, or work or whatever. What other kind of goals do you have? Don't be shy. Heaven, okay? Keep your eyes focused on heaven. I want to be there one day. What else comes to your mind? Goals. Nobody else has goals around here, huh? How about, how about health goals? I want to lose some weight. Amen. Now there's another one. Now we're getting serious, right? Uh, say that again. Walk with consistency, Without assistance. Okay? Walk without assistance. Okay? I mean, we, we all have all kinds of goals. And if we were to sit down and I had you list them out, uh, we would ha- you Maybe you come up with three, maybe you come up with five, maybe you come up with ten. But what I'm learning in conversations one-on-one is we lose sight of what the important goals are in life. We lose sight because we get overwhelmed with the job goal or the school goal or the health goal or... Whatever it is, and we lose sight. And so, may I suggest to you that Jesus gave us our goal. You have your Bible. Look at Mark chapter twelve. We're not going to have a lot of scripture on the screen here. To turn your pages um, or or flip your phones or whatever it is. Mark chapter twelve is where Jesus lays out for us the goal of life. Or I see three goals. And Let's just envision. We pull out our yellow pad, but we're going to throw it up on the screen here. Pull out our yellow pad so we can just do some talking. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus is being tested by the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, and they're testing him. Which is the greatest law in all of Scripture, Jesus and the commandments that are shared? And there's over 600 Old Testament laws, and they're trying to trick him. There it is again. Now, do I know what I'm doing? We had this challenge earlier. Dustin, come rescue me. I'm gonna—I'll flip around forever. We—we we try to figure this out. It—it it will work. Dustin knows what he's doing, and I don't. Um, so while he's doing that, let me talk about this. So, so Jesus is—is is being tested. What's the greatest commandment? And they're trying to trick him up. And you're probably familiar with the passage. And then Jesus says, "Listen, here's the greatest commandment." I, I think you've got to go to the machine and do it. You got it. Okay, I'll just keep teaching, all right? (laughs) You do technology and I'll teach and I'll pray that it works the rest of the way, all right? It's fun when you try new things, but it doesn't always work right. So Jesus says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. See the goal there? One big goal, love God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. Everyone give Dustin a hand. Thank you, Dustin. Good to have guys who knows what they're doing. So he gives one big goal, and he says that big goal is to love God. And all the goals that he gives us all come underneath the idea of love. Love God. He goes on and says... Uh, verse 31 the second is this love your neighbor (laughs) you guys are not as friendly as first service (laughs) first service let me have misspelled words half put up words and you know that's the advantage when you're teaching chalkboard or whiteboard you can scribble and make mistakes you all just have to roll with it now be nice to me All right, so love God. Second one, the second is love your neighbor as yourself. There's two goals there love others or love your neighbor. And then there's also one other love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's interesting, he puts in there, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I think because Jesus is smart enough to know, if you don't love yourself, you're going to struggle at loving your neighbor. If you don't love yourself and have a good self-esteem of who you are in God, who you are in Christ, you're going to struggle to love God. And so there's three goals, love God, love neighbor, and love yourself that he's given us. But what we do is we, if you believe in, in God and you believe in Jesus, your Savior, and you accept that and you go, okay, that's true, I need to do that. What happens though is life comes at us. And we get overwhelmed and we get stressed with things of life. And then that distracts us from the core goal of what we're supposed to be doing. I want you with someone sitting around you, maybe a person sitting right or left, or make little pods, turn around. If you don't know someone, reach across and say, meet them. I want you to share, what is something going on in life that you say, man, this is stressful or this is worrying me or this is bothering me. What are some things you're dealing with right now? Go ahead, and if you don't know them, just turn around, shake a hand, meet somebody. Ryan, turn around, meet somebody because you're here by yourself. If you're if you're um, don't know them, just shake a hand, meet somebody. Share what is something stresses you out. What's something overwhelming you or worrying you? 10 seconds. Three, two, one. All right. Now, help me out with this a little bit. What are some things you shared in your little little conversations there? What's a... Something that came up that's a stress or a worry, something that's bothering your mind. Kids living with you. So, like, grown kids living with you? Alright. So, so your, your grown kids who you're hoping were going to be out of your house by now are, are maybe moving back in, right, Jackie? Or they never left. Um, so um, I'm just going to write down the word just grown kids because first service... They said that, and their kids have grown up, and there's all kinds of challenges that come with that. You think they're 20-something, but they're not out of my house, and they still need money and down the list, and so, 40s. <laughs> okay, there's some of those, too. All right, <laughs> that's a good one. That can be a stress and a worry, for sure. Oh, Jesus, help me, help me, help me. I don't want that to happen in my life. Um, what else? What else stress or worry? See, this is dining room table talk. I love it. Okay. What else? What's things stress or worry, concerns on your mind? Money. Finances. Now, I would have a hard time spelling that one, so we're just going to say money. <laughs> I need my spell checker for that, so. Um, what else comes to your mind? Health. Okay, so you think about health, um, it's kind of like the goal, or sickness, yeah, stress, yeah, Jerry, sometimes health, he said, I pray I get up tomorrow morning, you know, so you do, you think about health, and, and health surely becomes a stressor, can be a stressor, what else comes to mind? Election, oh, let's not talk about that one too much, enough said on that one, right, we, we won't dive into that one too far, um, pray hard, okay, so, uh, but yeah, that's it, a stressor, right, what, what? hatred, hatred. ooh, okay, um, how about just the word hate, I don't, you guys are spell checkers, how do you spell that, no, no, we're going to just leave it, hate, okay, so that things deal with, all right, what, what else is stress, what are things kind of, maintenance, maintenance, So just things breaking down. Okay, how about just the word stuff? (laughs) We all have it, right? Your car, is your air conditioner going to work? Is your car going to work? Is your roof going to leak? I mean, just constantly there's always something where there's stuff in this life that can be stressful. What? Okay, so family. So managing family time in this crazy rat race world that we're in. And, and now school has started back up. And so it helps because it creates some discipline in terms of routine. But at the same time, you have school and then homework and activities. And uh, first service, they called that the grind. Someone came with that word. So I, I liked it, the grind. is the day in and day out grind that we walk through. So you can see, and, and there's all kinds of stuff you can add in here. For some people, it's dealing with older parents. Maybe you're considering, do I put them in living? Is it time for a nursing home? How do I care for them? They need some health care inside their home. Sometimes it's worldly pressure. Sometimes it's parenting. Sometimes it's your own walk with God. Sometimes it's self-esteem issues, entertainment choices. How do I stand it as a Christian in the environment that I'm in? Rather, I'm in a school environment or a work environment, and I, and I believe in Christ, but I, I want to follow him. But it's hard in the culture maybe that I live in. Maybe it's a marriage relationship. Maybe it's a friendship. There's all kinds of stuff that gets in the way. And what happens is this, is when all that stuff takes over, those three goals of love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself get way washed out and we forget about them. And so then when all this stuff starts to take over, then we get stressed and we get overwhelmed and we get unhappy. And so the question has to be, is how do I manage all of this stuff? What do I do with all this? Now, I like to call this the wheel of, of life. And I don't want to... Um, I'm getting stressed right now just trying to work this thing. I like to call this the wheel of life. And you took that wheel and you made it out into a pie shape and all of us may fill in the pie shape with different words but all of us are going to have this stuff. You're going to have money issues until the day you go to the grave. You're going to have family and relationship issues until the day you go to the grave. You're going to have healthcare issues until the day you go to the grave. You're going to have election issues until the day you go to the grave. You're going to have hate and love issues, germane, until the day we go to the grave, because people are people, we live in this fallen world, and you can fill them in, we're going to have them, so what are we going to do with them? What do we do with those? And I think we have a choice. We have a choice of what we're going to do with those. In my mind, there's two choices. There are two choices. There may be more. One choice is self. I'm going to take care of it as I know how to take care of it. I'm going to take care of it by what my mom taught me or what my dad taught me or what my grandma taught me. I'm going to take care of it by just talking to my friends. I'm going to take care of it by the latest thing I read on social media. I'll manage it by what I read in a magazine, what I see on television. I'm just going to manage it by whatever I can figure out, and I'm going to make it. That's one choice that you have and I have to make. A second choice, though, is I think that we have a great gift that God has given us, it's called the Holy Spirit. So when you look at this wheel of life, and you look at and think of in terms of a pie chart, and a bad pie chart that is, (laughs) in the middle of life, the hub of life, what are you going to grab onto to hold all of this? And what are you grabbing onto? See, our walk with God is so much more than just coming to church and singing songs and hearing a sermon and going home. My concern, church, is that we have too many of us have been taught my walk with God is I go to church, I sing some songs, I go home and I go to work every day and maybe I'll do a Bible study every now and then. And we haven't learned that we have a great gift inside of us if we're a Christ follower called the holy spirit it's a gift that god has given us turn your bibles to john chapter 14 and let me talk to you a minute about the holy spirit john chapter 14 jesus is trying to comfort his disciples just before he's about ready to go to the cross and about before he's going to leave this earth In John chapter 14, verse 1, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. He's like, listen, you don't have to be troubled. Just keep your trust in me. And that holds true today. We do not need to be troubled in these times of day. We keep our trust in Him. And the way we keep our trust in Him is by having a, a vibrant walk with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, he goes on and says, I'm going to go there and prepare a place for you. He's telling them, I'm getting heaven ready. Grandma Vicky said her goal was heaven. And so he says, I'm getting that ready for you. He goes on a little bit later, and Thomas says, "Jesus, uh, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the way. And he's saying the way in two ways. He's saying I'm the way to heaven, but he's saying I'm the way to live in this life. And I think we miss that. We think, oh, my ticket to salvation is Jesus. And that is true. That's the only way we get to heaven is through Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross. It's the only way. But secondly, the way to live in this life is to know Jesus. And when we know Jesus, then we know how to lower this stress and walk through this life. And then he goes on a little bit later, verse 15, he says, If you love me, You will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. Do you see the descriptive word that He used there for the Spirit of truth? He uses the word counselor. Counselor? Somebody tell me, what does a counselor do? What'd you say? Advice, counselor gives advice. What else does a counselor do? Guides, what else does a counselor do? Instructs, what else? Listens, what else? Encourages, a different perspective. Gives you direction for life. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, he says, will do that. And then verse 25, he says, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the counselor, there he is again, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. He says that the counselor, this Holy Spirit, will teach you All things. All things. Not some things, not just a few things, but all things. Now, when I was raised, gave my life to Christ at 11 years old, and I was baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and received the Holy Spirit, went to church camp, and was involved in church, and went to the youth group and Sunday school, and I heard the Holy Spirit when I was baptized, I received the Holy Spirit. I had no idea what that meant. 13, and 14, and 15, and 16, and 18, and 20, so no idea. Went to Bible college, and we studied the Bible a lot, but the Holy Spirit wasn't talked a lot about, because in in my upbringing, the Holy Spirit were those people who dealt with snakes and slain in the Spirit. So my my road of faith was we're scared of those people. They're crazy. And so we just stayed away from it and never talked about it. Went to Bible college, we joked and laughed and said, you're allowed to be in the Spirit, but you always have to keep a pivot foot. So you couldn't get real excited in worship or anything. No jumping or dancing. Always keep one foot on the ground. That's true. It's true. I was 28 years old. I had been in ministry for almost 10 years. I moved to Lexington and met a man by the name of Bruce Carpenter who became my mentor and still my mentor today. He said, Brian, you need to understand the Holy Spirit. I said, yeah, I have the Holy Spirit. When I was baptized, he says, you know what the Spirit does? I have no idea. He said the Spirit wants to walk with you through life. I said, what does that mean? He said, he wants to teach you all things. I said, well, he teaches me about the Bible. No, he wants to teach you all things. In other words, he wants to teach you how to be a good dad and a good husband. He wants to teach you how to be a good mom and a good wife. He wants to teach you how to be a child that's respectful to your parents and lives in a society. He wants to teach you how to be a good neighbor. He wants to teach you how to love your neighbors when you have a hard time loving them. He wants to teach you how to love God. He wants to teach you all things. And I don't like it. Sometimes when I say, Spirit, what am I supposed to do to love my wife? And He says, fold some clothes. (laughs) I know. He'll do that. Spirit, what, what is going on to me? Why am I so angry right now? Why am I so upset? Because you haven't spent any time with me. He wants to teach me about my temper and about my anger or my short fuse. He wants to do the same for you. He wants to teach you all things. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And so we have these goals, love God, love people, love yourself. We have life that is going on and it's going to go on until the day we die. So we have to learn, how do I do this in a way like the apostle Paul said? He said at the end of his life, he said, I've learned the secret of being content, whether I'm well, well, I'm well fed or whether I'm hungry or rather I'm in want. He said, I've learned the secret of contentment. And he goes on and says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so he said, I've learned that when I walk with the Holy Spirit, I can be content no matter what life is throwing at me, because life is going to throw things at me. It's going to happen. And so we have to learn, how do I walk with the Holy Spirit? And quite honestly, I was rather confused about that until about the age of 28. And now I'm growing But man, it's a journey. It's a journey. In 20 plus years of ministry, I'm starting to see some things that work and some things that don't work. And so let me show you a couple things that I've been learning through the years and I've been just observing people who are growing in Christ. There are things called spiritual disciplines and spiritual disciplines are things that we grow to try to grow our relationship, things that we grow our connection with Christ. Depending on what theologian or what Bible study you're doing, there's somewhere around 12 to 15, maybe 18 spiritual disciplines. Things like solitude or silence or fasting or chastity or sacrifice or prayer or study or worship or fellowship and confession and scripture memorization and service. There's a plethora of things you can do. Kind of like the Olympic athlete. Their training programs are so precise, but there's a lot of options they can do to get stronger, to get faster, to get bigger, to get better at their sport. Well, there's a lot of things we can do, but I have learned through life that if we don't do at least three of them, we'll never get on to the other things. And church, I want to encourage you, if you will, to make this a priority as we're heading into the school season, that you elevate these three things in your life. And if you elevate these three things... I can almost guarantee you'll find your walk with God is growing, your connection to the Holy Spirit is growing, and He will be guiding you through life. One is this. Worship. When I say worship, I mean the weekly gathering of what we do right here because there's several avenues of worship, but the one I'm talking about is what we do on Sundays. Another area is groups. Groups. And you'll see on your chairs, there's some cards there explaining growth groups. Next week, we start our sign-ups from growth groups. And uh, I'm going to talk more specific about groups next week and why they're so uh, important to your life and, and my life, but uh, groups. And then the last one is service. And we're going to talk about that, why service and why groups. So groups is next week, service is the following week. But this week, I want to talk a little bit about worship. And if you put God in the middle of that triangle... Or the Holy Spirit, if you have those three things going on in your life on a consistent basis, you'll find your walk with God starts to grow. You start pulling those things out, and you'll find your walk with God is suffering or struggling. It's kind of like a three-legged stool. A three-legged stool cannot stand if you take one leg out. And we tend to do that. And what I've seen in 20 plus years of ministry is when people are disciplined about worship and groups and serving they usually have a, a relationship with God that is healthy. And when they're doing that, they move on to other things like, you know, I did a, a, a fasting day or, or I had a, a special prayer time or, or my quiet time is growing. But if these three things aren't there, they won't move on to the other stuff. It, it's kind of like a few years ago when I was trying to run 5Ks. There's no way I was going to run a 5K until I walked for a while. And if I walked for a while, then I could run from one light pole to the next light pole. And then from one light pole to two light poles. And now I've been out of that routine, I have to be back to walking for a while. But that's how our discipline with God goes. We start doing some of the basics and we keep those things going. He'll move us on to other things He has in store for us. But let me talk to you about this one right here for a few minutes. This idea of worship. We live in a culture today that no longer values The Sunday gathering of Christians. If you want to do it, do it. If you don't want to, you don't want to. That's our culture. Used to be years ago that, you know, the stores, a lot of them were closed on a Sunday. Or you couldn't buy alcohol on a Sunday. There was no sports activities on a Sunday. There was no sports activities on a Wednesday. Sunday was seen as a sacred day. And pretty much even our culture, even those who were not Christians, left it alone. But today, Sunday is just another day. And so it affects us who want to follow Christ because then we have to deal with, well, the culture that we live in is doing A, B, C, D, E down the road on, on a Sunday, my day of worship. And the Scripture tells us to not neglect this time of gathering. And I want you to look at this text with me. Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. This is written, the Hebrew writer writing this to, to Christians Let us think of that. And then he says, let us not neglect. In other words, don't set it aside. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. He's warning them, and it's a warning for us today, don't neglect the gathering together with other believers, because what happens when you don't gather together, then you will get separated from your walk with God. It affects your walk with God. Today's culture, what happens a lot of time is one Sunday, maybe I get up and I say, oh man, I just feel like going out for breakfast today and getting the paper. And so I do that one Sunday. And another Sunday, you know what, maybe today I'll go to church. And you get up and then go to church one Sunday. And then another Sunday is, oh man, my kid's got a ball game and this kind of activity or this tournament that weekend, I'll go to that. And so having just eating off of, off of God's Word and worship just maybe once a month or maybe twice a month, you become unhealthy And we're in a culture that's very difficult. And parents, let me speak to you for a moment because I'm right there with you. We're in a challenging culture right now when sports and activities are happening all weekend long anymore, where it used to be protected day. And so there's a constant cry out, have your kid at this event, have them involved in this, have them involved in that. And you're kind of go, wait a minute, I need them in church. I want them to be in church. But then also they have this thing they're involved in. I can't give you the perfect answer to that I don't want to be legalistic about it. I walk through that with my own children. But we tend to try to always lean towards saying yes to Sunday and no to sports because my children will catch more than I'm teaching them, more than they will learn what I'm trying to tell them. And so has there been a day or two when, yeah, we'll let our kids skip a day of worship to go do a sports? Yes, but there are very few and far between because we think we've got to show our children this is valued more than the stuff the world has to offer. And I don't want to be a legalistic preacher saying, Oh, you're a horrible, terrible parent if you've taken off and gone to you know this event on a Sunday for your kids. But parents, I've seen it happen where one day it's a tournament, the next week it's a tournament, the next week it's a tournament, and all of a sudden tournament after tournament after tournament, and you go, Oh, I don't have time for church and God and all that stuff. And your walk with God has been totally derailed. And so there's a fine balance. And and I and I understand the struggle. I'm right there with you. I have three teenagers, I understand the struggle. But I would lean towards, if I were you, I would lean towards saying no to some of the sports and the activities and say, children, it's, it's not going to affect, you know, less than 2% of the college division one players go on to play pros. So the chances are your Sally or Susan or Steven or Michael or my Luke or Caleb, Lily Grace, are not going to do their sports beyond high school years. So don't sacrifice your children's walk with God because of sports now, and then when they're in their 20s and 30s, you're like, why don't my kids go to church? Well, because you didn't make it a priority when they're young. And so worship has got to be a high priority. Now, God does some things in here that we don't understand. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. See, when you come and you gather, and especially on days when you're like, I don't feel like going to church today. You ever had those kind of days? Be honest. Some of you are liars. You won't raise your hand. (laughs) I have those days even as a preacher. There's days I get up and go, God, I don't want to go preach today. And he said, well, you got to go. No one else can do it right now. I'll tell you what's the best thing, though. It's the best thing on days when you don't feel like coming to church, it's the best days that you come in here because then there's a, there's a handshake that is shared, there's a hug that's given, there's a high five, there's a word of encouragement, there's laughter in a hallway, there's a sermon that's preached, there's worship. And God takes all of that and says, I'm using that to grow your connection with me. And we have to have a trust and a faith that says, even though I don't understand, his word says, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. And he says, let us think of ways to motivate one another. Well, one way to motivate one another is to be here for each other and to reach out and to care for one another. Let me just give a little sidestep. First service didn't get this. This is a bonus. Last Sunday, I was supposed to be out of town with my son for a father-son retreat with a football team, and uh, it got canceled kind of last minute, and I already had things lined up for Lane to preach, and I thought, well, what am I going to do? I said, I'm going to go visit two churches. So I went and visited two churches in town, and I'll tell you what, that's an experience. And maybe you're visiting here today, or you've been visiting Center Point, and you're like, maybe this is your first time. I can appreciate what you're walking through today. I mean, I'm a preacher, and I'm used to the church culture. I went to two churches, nervous, with sweaty palms, going, do I really want to do this? And we, I took my boys with me. We went to one, and in between one, we were driving by restaurants. I said, let's go to breakfast. And Caleb's like, yeah, let's do it, Dad. I'm like, no, we've committed to two churches. We're going. <laughs> well, I'm scared to death. And I went in, and i tell you what, I learned a lot. One thing I learned that stood out to me, church, it's got to be a priority, that you say hi to folks sitting around you. Yeah, both churches had greeters at the door like we do. They have bulging people at the door like we do. And, and that's good. I want those people there. But we stood at both churches very awkward moments, and then we sat like, okay, church is going to start. This is kind of weird. No one's talking to us. It's kind of odd. And so when people come here to worship, they're looking for someone to look at them in the face and smile and say, hi, how are you doing? Other than the preacher, they expect me to do that. And they expect the people that are at the door to do that. And sometimes just that touch of love, that someone took the time to look at them and smile and say, Hi, I'm Brian. Or, hi, I'm Susan. Glad to have you here today. You don't have to get in a long old conversation. Just a gentle hi that I care about you says a lot. Because the Lord wants us to gather together. That's the bonus you get today. Let me close. With this. Many of you are familiar with this, and some of you it's, it's a little bit newer, or maybe the first time you, you've heard it. We have a three pronged approach to our ministry here at Center Point. We call it Connect, Center, and Change. It's been a three pronged approach that we've had from day one. Our goal is to connect people with God. That's why Center Point Christian Church exists. To connect people with God, we want to reach out into our communities, we want to bring people into a relationship with God, connecting with God, no matter where they're at. Whether they don't know Christ, whether at one time they knew Christ and they've gotten off the journey, they're trying to get back on the journey, we want to help people connect with God. But then you make that connection, the word center is all about growing, center your life on Christ. We don't want to just have you connect with God, we want to see you growing in Christ. And that's why I wanted to do this couple three-week series just to kind of think about this idea, am I growing or am I just kind of flatlined or am I even maybe going backward? Because I know that when you connect with Christ and when you center your life on Christ, what will happen is you'll start to experience change in your life. I can't force that change for you. I can lay out a road map for you to possibly follow. I can tell you from 20 plus years of ministry what I've seen in people who grow in God and what I've seen in people who fall away from God. And those who grow in God make it a priority that they worship, that they're in a group, and that they serve. And when they do that, the Holy Spirit lives in the middle of life, and that wheel of life, and they're able to manage that. And they say, you know what? Yeah, life might be a little stressful, a little overwhelming at times, but I'm making it because I'm walking in Christ. And as we walk in Christ, we can make it through this life. Church, I want to encourage you. Take that card about groups. Take it home with you. Make it a matter of prayer so next week when we start showing you here's groups that are available, you'll be ready to jump in. You and your family's already prayed about it. Now, one last point about how you make worship priority. Make it a decision before Sunday morning. I tell my kids that. They're, get, they're at that age now that times, Mom and Dad, can we go to the park? Mom and Dad, we're going to our friends. A bunch of them are hanging out. And every time they leave, I say a little prayer, God, help them make right choices. Because they're at the point where I can't be there. And I've had conversations with my children, listen, the time you make right choices is before you get into the situation. So you make the right choice before you're at the party or before you're at the friends hanging out that you're going to make good choices. The same goes true with our weekly worship. See, so if you wait till Sunday morning and you wake up, you know Satan does his work on Sunday morning. That's when the kids are fighting and arguing, and that's when you don't want to get up, and that's when moms and dads are attending each other. That's when you're tired, it's easy to go, I'm not going. If you make the decision about your weekend when you're making your other weekend plans, hey, this Friday we're going to be going out to the movie. This Saturday we have this going on at so-and-so's house, and Saturday evening we're doing this. And then in your plans should be, and Sunday morning we're going to make sure we're at worship. You make that decision early in the week, your chances of accomplishing that decision is greater than if you wait till Sunday morning on how you're feeling. Because typically our feelings lead us astray. So church, I want to encourage you. As we're in this new season, school's starting back, make worship a priority so that your growth with God will grow and that the Holy Spirit will live in the middle of your life at the center of life.